tonight to Romans chapter number 7. Romans chapter number 7. Quite a title tonight. Look, at you see that there? Married, yes, but to which husband? That's the title of tonight's message. We've been going through the book of Romans here, and we're going to continue here tonight. And uh, don't mind me, there was no Diet Dr. Pepper downstairs, so there's only this Coke Zero, and I don't, ugh. But I needed something, so... We are going to be in Romans chapter number 7, and we're going to read at verse number 1. I'll give you a little background from where we've been over the past long while, and then we will get into tonight's material. <clears throat> Romans 7, verse number 1, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then if, while her husband liveth, she married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is freed from the law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren... Ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto him. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Father, I pray that you bless the next few minutes that we have tonight. We need you. We love you. And you know that normally on a Sunday afternoon, I dive deep, deep into my Sunday night message. Most of the week, and there are several days during the week I spend working on my Sunday night message. But really, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, going into Sunday morning, it's all about the Sunday morning message. And then I take all Sunday afternoon for my Sunday night message. And you know that wasn't possible today. So I pray that you would work tonight in spite of me, and you work. We need you. We love you. We praise your precious name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. What a few verses we read right here. Several things that we're going to look at. We've been talking about, if you look back to chapter number 6, because of what the Lord has done, we are to walk in the newness of life. But so many Christians were still slaves to sin. When Christ has set us free from sin, because of what Christ did, we are free from sin. Yet so many Christians today live their lives in bondage to sin. And I know one of the things you've got to realize tonight as we dive deeper into the message tonight as we go forward got to understand something as long as you have this flesh you're going to sin you didn't one day get saved and then you're never going to sin again that's not how it works i would love it if it worked that way that would be awesome i would love to never sin and do things wrong but as long as i've got this flesh brian's always going to struggle and you're going to always struggle as well that's just the way that it works but you got to understand something before salvation when we are of and you got to understand, when we're children of wrath, as the Bible talked about, we even read this morning, before salvation, we don't have a choice but to sin. We are 
slaves to sin. The difference is when we get saved, you're no longer a slave to sin. Christ has set you free from the bondage of sin, but we still sin. Why do we sin? Because we like to. Let's be honest. If we would yield ourselves to the Spirit and follow the Spirit of God, we wouldn't do half the things that we do. But we yield ourselves to our flesh. And there's a battle that goes on. The battle is waged every day in our lives, minute by minute, sometimes second by second. And that battle's between the Spirit and the flesh. We're not in the book of Galatians to go through these things, but this is what it comes down to. Who do you yield yourself to? If you yield yourself to, you're a servant to who you yield yourself to. So if you yield yourself to your flesh, you're going, your master is yourself and your flesh. And you're going to do the things you shouldn't do. If you yield yourself to the spirit, that should be our desire and our goal. And so be, those that are not saved have no choice but to sin. They're, they're in sin. That's why sometimes I think some of us, we look at this, and I get frustrated with this world, I get frustrated with a lot of things, but we should have a little bit more compassion on this world, just a little bit, because they are dead in their sins. We've been made alive, and we still sin. Think about that one. We go on for that for a while, but we're not going to. So Paul goes through, and he just teaches through the chapter number 6, and now we're getting in chapter number 7, you, he's just go, continuing on about the law and helping us understand some things. It's been said there are two things that are certain in life. Death and taxes. I've never experienced death. I've been around those that have and been around those situations. But I know something about taxes. And I'm convinced the only way to be free of taxes is to die. It's literally what it comes down to. Your family might get a bill, but... That you won't, right? And this is what Paul's trying to state through here and trying to get us to understand about our new relationship to the law and sin. Chapter 7, we see the Apostle Paul here still trying to make this matter of being dead to the law and to sin clear. Because it's hard for people to grasp and get a hold of. It's hard for us. And so Paul continues here on this topic. In chapter 6, he used the analogy of slavery. To teach us that in Christ we're free from the old master of sin and alive to the new master, Jesus Christ. Now he moves from a, the analogy of master-slave relationship to a husband and wife relationship. He uses marriage as a picture of the new relationship to the law. That is spiritually speaking. We are either married to the law or we are married to you think about this, to the Lord. That's what it comes down to. So as we look at this tonight, I want to ask you the question. Married, yes, but to which husband? Who's the husband in your life? The law or Jesus Christ? We'll look at this passage and we'll see some things to help break it down for us tonight. Number one, as we dive in, we see the law and marriage. We see the law and marriage, verse 1 through 3. It says, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which, was, which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. And if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she is married to another man, 
she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. We see letter A as we go through here, the power of the law. The idea here is, in verse number 1, as we just read it here a minute ago, that all laws, whether they're God's laws or man's laws, can only be enforced as long as a person's living. You're not going to get a speeding ticket after you die, right? You have a court date for something bad that you do and you die before the court date, what happens? They drag your dead body to jail. No, they don't. It just ends right there. That's how it all ends. So as we see here, that's what the law is. The power of the law. When you die, you are freed from the power of the law. And so it's, it's kind of like you're beyond the reach of the law after death. That's how it works. Spiritually speaking, for the believer, as long as we're alive in our natural state, we are condemned by the law of God. But when we die, we are free from the demands of the law. But the law, it's demanding. Because you look at it, none of us can just keep the law all the time. Have you, let's, let's be honest, how many of you have kept God's law all day long today? If you raised your hand, you're probably lying right now, and you just broke another one of God's laws right there. Did you break any? We all have today. We all do it oftentimes because God's standard is pretty high. And you and I cannot meet up to God's standard. And it's amazing how sometimes people try to put people up. You're never going to reach God's standard, okay? You can't. You're not going to be good enough. I'm not good enough. You're not good enough. And as we look at this passage here, we see the power of the law. Basically, the only way to escape the law is to die. That's what it comes down to. Letter B, we see the picture of the law. In these, in these two verses, we see marriage mentioned here. And in these verses, Paul uses the image of marriage to demonstrate what he means. And so if we were to look, and some people will take this passage in Romans chapter number 7 and use it as doctrine for marriage and divorce and all those things. I'm not giving you a sermon on marriage and divorce tonight. But I will tell you this, Paul's main point right here was not marriage and divorce. His main point right here is our relationship to the law. And he's using an example in the law to help us go forward. I will give a little plug right here just to, and should I put a little plug here? Uh, yeah, I'm going to put a little plug right here. I'm not for divorce. I don't believe God is. But I will tell you something. It happens. And there are people in our church that are in the midst of it right now. I've seen churches totally turn their back on people in those situations. And that's not right. It's sin is sin. None of us are ever going to be perfect. And one of the things I want to make sure, and I'm saying this, and I don't think any of them are in here tonight, so I can make a statement like this. You don't know the circumstances of any of their homes or what has happened. And there's been, and there's, and there's way more of it that's gone on recently than I, one is too many. One is too many. 
but you don't know the situations in the homes or what's gone on, we need to love God's people and encourage them and help them bear their burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. That's what we need to do. We don't shun out sinners. We help sinners get right with God and get restored. Far too often times it goes the opposite in church, and I do not believe that's how God wants it to be. God out of anyone, Jesus out of anyone, he could have taken that woman in adultery and said, she, he could have thrown the stones at her. No, he helped her. He said, you just go and sin no more. We need to be, we're in the business of restoring and helping people. That's what church is all about. And people that are going through life, and life gets tough. It does. Do you follow all of God's law all the time? No. It's no difference in that realm. I am not for it. I don't like it. I think it hurts homes. It hurts children. There are lots of things that it does. But I think that a lot of our churches have done a disservice to the people of God by shunning them and acting like they got some plague because they're going through some trouble in their life. No, the people of God need to come up beside them and help encourage them and get them through where they're at. That's just a little side note tonight. So, but we read here, and Paul, as he's talking, he says, he tells us here that as long as the woman's husband is alive, that she's bound to him by the law of marriage. That's how it works. If she leaves for another man, she's guilty of adultery, is what the Bible says right here. And because her husband is still alive, and she's still the husband of, or the wife of her husband. However, if her husband dies, she's free to marry again. So there you go. If you have a major problem in marriage, just pray your spouse. No, and we'll leave that one alone. Sorry, I shouldn't go down that road. We'll leave that one alone right there. The whole idea in this passage, though, is not to give us how marriage works, but to remind us that the only way to be free from the confines and the demands of the law is for us to be dead. That's what this is trying to teach us. Until we die, the law will hang over our heads, making demands to us that we can never keep. However, at death, we're set free from those demands. So we see, number one, the law and marriage. Number two, we see our liberty and marriage. Our liberty and marriage. We look at verse number four. Paul says there, Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law, by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. As we talk about our liberty in marriage, we think about this letter A, a new freedom that we have. Paul tells us that we've become dead to the law through the body of Christ and what Christ did for us. And this refers back to Romans 6 and verse number 6. And it says there, know this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. It reminds us that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, those who received him also died on the cross. We talked about that over and over again over the past several weeks. Therefore, we are free from the law because the old man is dead. Get that? Do you see what Paul's doing here? Paul's very good at what he does under inspiration here. And so the whole idea is that when Jesus died on the cross, we also died. And when we died, our marriage to the law ended. The demands of the law on our life ended. 
there are a lot of Christians that, and I want to follow God's laws as best as I can, but I'm never going to follow all of them. And I know some people say, well, and why even try? That's a sorry excuse. That's a sorry reason. And we go further down that road, but we're not going to go there tonight. But you got to understand, we died to the law. And because of that, just as our death in Christ brought freedom from the power of sin, so too we've been delivered from the power of the law. You see, the law stood over us demanding things out of you and I that we could never keep on our own. Because you got to understand, the wages of sin, it's always death. And when you don't follow God's laws to a T perfectly, when you don't follow those laws, you cannot satisfy the, right, the demand to the law. And so, since we're in Him when He died, He satisfied the payment, right? He came to fulfill the law. And since he did those things, you got to understand, what did the law demand? Death. The wages of sin is death. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. We died in him. The law was fulfilled. So, so many Christians trying to live their life under the law to make God happy, you're never going to make God happy under the law because Christ already died away with it it's been settled and it's forever done that's a blessing that's a real good thing we've died and since that's true you gotta understand the law has no claim on us anymore in other words we are free from the bondage of the law you see our liberty in marriage we see letter a we see a new freedom letter b we see a new family we get to be a part of verse four goes on to tell us there that we're married to another at the instant we become dead to the law, we're married to the Lord Jesus Christ. We have become a part of his family. You know, and that's something else that when you look at and marriage, why marriage is so important, why marriage is so special, what it represents. What marriage represents is a very special thing. When we look here, we think about this, the new family. We see it there in verse number four. It says, Wherefore, my brethren, ye are also become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another. And we become part of his family. Just as a remarriage after the death of a spouse or whatever, it brings change. You get new family members, things of that nature. It also brings with it other changes as well. You know, you might have been, your, the first spouse might have liked pink towels. They like purple towels. There's just changes that come with all that stuff. You get a new family. You don't have the bondage of the law. The law is no longer hanging over your head. And you become part of God's family. What a blessing that is. You think about this. When you're under the dominion of the law, we're constantly being held to a standard that we could never keep. The law was harsh. The law could never be satisfied. Regardless of how well I live my life, I never could satisfy the law. The law was never satisfied with Brian, and that relationship was never great between me and the law. It wasn't. The law constantly reminded me that I was a sinner. The law constantly reminded me that I was not good enough to get anywhere on my own. 
uh, my relationship to the law basically at the end of the day was cruel and painful the whole time I was in a relationship with the law. However, to Jesus, we have a new husband, a new relationship. He tells us that we, when we came to him for salvation, he cleansed our sin. He washed it all away. He gave us his righteousness. He holds no impossible demands on me. He doesn't hold over my head a high standard I have to hold to because he is the ultimate standard. Do you see the differences here? He already paid the price. In him, we are loved. In him, we are accepted. In him, we are free. In Christ, we are complete. That's what the Bible pictures for us, and that's what the Bible explains to us. Before that, the law just held it over our heads, and it was an awful relationship with the law. But Christ changed all of that, and by his death, and by all that he's done, he doesn't look at me and love me based on the person I am. The law looked at me that way. You're bad because of what you did. God doesn't look at me and say, Brian, you're bad because of what you do. God looks at me and says, I seed my son. You're accepted, you're loved, you're one of my children because of what Jesus did for you. That's a blessing right there. That, that encourages my heart. What a blessing that is. When we look at these things, I'm so glad tonight to have a new husband in my life. That sounds awful, doesn't it? In our world today, in our world today, that sounds awful. But I'm taking, don't any of you go on your Facebook and things, pastor's quote of the night, I'm glad I have a new husband. That would go over big. That would go over real big. Context, 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 yes. And so I am on Facebook Live right now. You never know what someone's going to put on there right now. But if you take it in context, I am so glad that I'm not in a relationship with the law anymore. And I'm in a relationship with Christ. And you should, but this, why, why do we go back to the law? This is, this is, and this is what I think happens. And this is Brianology here for a second. I don't give you a lot of Brianology. Every once in a while I give you a little Brianology. I think sometimes pastors and churches, and I think it happens a lot in Baptist churches as well. We want to have strict rules and standards and things that we set because we're trying to do the work of the Holy Spirit for everyone else, and that's not my job to do. That's the you have a Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does that. The Holy Spirit convicts. He's the one who helps you and does what he needs to do in your life. And sometimes we get so caught up by the letter of the law to this day. Do you need to live right? Yes, we do. Why? Because Christ has set us free. We should live for him because of the love that we have for him. But do you realize if I wear a suit to church or I wear a pair of jeans, God doesn't love me any more or less. If I sing a new song in church or I sing an old song, it doesn't matter. The Lord wants a song that's going to worship him. We get caught up on a lot of things that just don't matter. And things that don't matter at all. And don't let that be the case. Don't get caught with the law. Follow Jesus. And I get you got to have a balance there. And when you learn what balance is all about, you teach me and we'll teach each other how to be balanced. That's what I'm striving for. 
in my Christian life, the, wor- the key word to my Christian life over the past three or four years and going forward is the word balance. I see too many pastors, too many churches that are way too strict on rules and no love at all. But then I see the opposite case where there's all love and there's no rules at all. There's got to be, Jesus was full of grace and truth. And so my life, I'm striving to find balance. That's what we need. In my home, I need to learn balance. And balance in all sorts of areas. I've got to balance to make sure I don't, I'm not working too much, I'm not spending enough time with family. There's all balance. I think the key, to the key to life is balance. So if any of you figure that out, help me out. I'm trying to figure it out. But as we look here and we think about our liberty and marriage, we have a new freedom, we have a new family. How about this? We have new fruitfulness. The verse continues there. And look at what it says there. It says, even to whom, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Paul reminds us that God did all this, not just to bless us. He saved us, brought us into a relationship with him so that we could glorify him by bringing forth fruit for his glory. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Isn't that what the scripture tells us? And so what Paul's doing here is we're being reminded of the fact that we're his workmanship. That is, we are his masterpieces. We, are, we, were, recre- we were recreated so that we could bring, ma- bring glory to the master. Because before salvation, were we bringing glory to the master? No, we're bringing glory to ourselves. He saved us so we could bring glory to him. That's what the Bible teaches us. The fruit, and we've talked about the fruits of the Spirit before, but the fruit is manifested two ways. It's first manifested in our attitudes. And as the fruits of the Spirit are displayed, we talk about Galatians chapter number 5. Do we have those verses? The fruit of the Spirit, it's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. As a Christian, these fruits should be evident in a Christian's life, in our attitudes. How are, are these reflective in your life tonight? Do we want to go down the works of the flesh? We know they're listed. But when you got saved, you got a new husband, Jesus you are freed, you have that freedom, you have that new family, and instead of wrath, malice, and all other things, hatred, emulations, we go through the list, you are given new fruit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, what a blessing that is. The natural man can't possess these things. These are fruits of the Spirit. It have, and so you got to understand something, that, the, that these things display themselves, the fruit displays it in our attitudes and also our actions. John chapter 15 goes into those details. And uh, you got those verses? Let's read them. I'm the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. 
Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Before we go any further, I get so tired of Baptist preachers on Facebook in different places saying, if you don't produce fruit, you're not saved. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. That means there are saved people that don't bear fruit. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that one out. It says it right there. And taketh away does not, there's several meanings to that right there. That doesn't just mean he just plucks it out and gives it to someone else. That could be lifting it up out of the dirt and the mire. There's several things there. But this isn't a passage tonight out of John 15. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye. So ye cannot, we as the people of God, cannot bear fruit without spending time with God. That's what the Bible says. So this is what has to happen. Our actions and spending time with the Lord will help our attitudes. You show me a Christian who spends time with God, and you might see the fruits of the Spirit a little bit more displayed in their lives. Because you cannot do it on your own. It has to abide. You must abide in the vine. And it says there, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, look what it says, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. You cannot bear fruit. In your, and let's keep on reading. If a man abideth not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done to you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. You want to make God happy? You want to glorify him? Spend time with him and let it affect your attitude. That's what we see right there. And let's be honest. You are all probably way more perfect than me. Man, I, th I thought I was going to be done early and we're running out of time here. This is good stuff, though. I could go on about Romans all day long. It's good stuff. Not what I got to say, but the word of God. I got to make sure you understand that. I'll speak for me for a minute. When I don't get the God in me time that I need, and some days I need more of it than others, I always need it. But I notice that I tend to be a little bit more angry with situations when they come. Or my attitude might not just be what it should be. Or I might snap at my wife when I shouldn't. Or at my kids. Because if you want the fruit of the Spirit displayed in your life, you want, that to, you want to have love, joy, peace, it comes as you spend time with Him. You have to abide with Him. Say, I'm saved. I get that. This was written to the disciples. They were saved. They knew the Lord. You have to abide in Him. Get time with God. Abide in Him. That's how fruit is produced. So, we go on to number three tonight. Saw the law in marriage. Number two, our liberty in marriage. 
And number three, our lives and marriage. Verse five and six. We're going to round this out here. Carly, you sound how I feel tonight. That's just how I feel. That yawn. Verse five and six says, For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Paul takes these last two verses and contrasts the old life of sin with the new life we have in the spirit. He shows us the change that took place and has taken place as a result of that marriage. We see letter A, the old life in sin. We're told four things. I'm just going to give you to these to you fast. I've kind of already given you these a little bit, but we're just going to go through them real quick. But he lays out four things for us. Notice what they are. The first one is, we were in the flesh. This means we could not operate within the realm of, that we could only operate in that realm of the flesh. There was no, we could not operate in the spirit. We were stuck in the flesh. Number two, we were controlled by the motions of sin. That is, we were held captive by the natural appetites and desires of our flesh. We lived our lives according to the impulses of the lost flesh. I think Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 totally talk about that. Number three, we were challenged to sin by the law. That might sound weird. That might sound odd. But when the law says thou shalt not, this wicked, rebellious person decided I'm going to do it. You know where someone says, don't look that way. And you look that way. It's that stubbornness in us, that sinfulness. And when we think about this point right here, we are challenged to sin by the law. So in the hands of rebels, the law which was given to us to show us the right way of living became a thing that helped lead us into evil. Don't misunderstand me. The law was not evil. But it was used by fallen evil people to go after what the law said was off limits. That doesn't make sense. I don't know what will. Number four. We were actively engaged in working out our own death. With every sin, with every rebellion, the sinner was hastening and worsening his own doom. And you realize, you realize in hell the Bible talks about that they're judged according to their works. I do think that hell is worse for some people than others. No hell is good. Number, or letter B. We just saw here letter A, the old life and sin, but letter B, we see the new life in the spirit. This verse sums up what we just went through tonight. And it says, the first two words, but now we are delivered. Since we're in Christ, things have changed. Those things I just talked about being in the flesh only, being controlled by the motions of sin, being controlled, being challenged to sin by the law, and actually engaging in working out our own death, those have all been done away with. 
because of what Jesus has done. Notice the change that takes place. Number one, we've been released from the law. Because we have died with Jesus, we are no longer under the demands of the law. We are not bound by it any longer. Why? Because the law has no power over a dead man. And we died with Christ when he died. Does that make sense? So what this means is that we're free from all the moral and spiritual liabilities and penalties that go along with the law. Because Christ paid the price for us. We're free in Jesus, freed forever from the terrible bondage of the law. And number two, we've been released to serve. It says that we should serve in the newness of spirit. The idea of service is not referring to an employee who's free to do work if he wishes and can change employers if things don't go his way. No, the idea of serve here is as of a slave. It's the picture of a person who lives for nothing else but to do the will of his master. This is what should be described by the life of every Christian. We're free from the law. And now we're servants of Christ. Nothing else should matter to us than serving him. And number three and lastly, we have been given a new life which to better serve him. You notice that in chapter 5, we're told that we're secure in our salvation. We like that. We think about salvation as being eternal and unconditional, and that's wonderful. I rejoice in that truth. But in chapter 6, it tells us that we are to be holy, and this chapter brings to mind the image of freedom, fruitfulness, and our standing as servants. And you've got to understand something. The Lord's been good to us. He's given us a lot. So, has the law been done away with? No, you just have a different relationship with it today than you ever did before. Because of the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ and the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit, we are now able to, to meet the righteous demands of the law because of the imputed righteousness and the Holy Spirit nothing in us and so the question becomes tonight who's your husband the law or jesus i'd pick jesus every time if you're watching online tonight or you're here in service tonight and you don't know jesus christ as your savior the best relationship you'll ever enter into in life is one with jesus christ he loved you he died for you he did so much so you could have eternal life and free you from that bondage.